0: Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to episode six of Filtered, the podcast. My name is Phil Dye, and this podcast looks at the difficult issues confronting society, which is pretty much on the brink at the moment. Historically, we've looked at issues such as diversity, such as the transgender issue. And once again, we'll be looking at that with this episode is on how the media in Australia and worldwide uh, has become so infected by trans ideology. Um, Australia is not alone in this, it's across the world. Yet, Australia is really pretty full on with it. Now, how did I become interested in this? Well, I'm an ex-lecturer in media at the University of Technology, Sydney. I recently went to cover Drag Storytime uh, for my filtered sub-stack. Um, where I interviewed people on the against side, and I tried to interview people on the pro side, but that was impossible. Now I spent about two hours trying to interview people. I actually went to the drag story time, um, and by the way, if you haven't heard that, you can just search YouTube for ideology, truth, and the ABC. Ideology, truth and the ABC uh, on YouTube, or you can uh, find the video also on my filtered sub stack. Um, but I was amazed to see later on that night, the ABC's headline saying, Illawarra community rallies in support of Rainbow Storytime event amid far right protests. Now, when I went to interview people, I couldn't see anyone On the far right There was a couple of characters that um, I tried to avoid But there was only two or three of those The rest were grandparents and parents And people who were very interested So I really did question This idea of far right protests Um, The two writers of the piece Ainsley Druitt-Smith and Nick McLaren um, Clearly didn't interview them They said they wouldn't be interviewed But of course I managed to talk to them and I'm not sure whether they went into the Rainbow story time, but they gave the, the Rainbow supporters a great boost in saying that the locals came out. Well, I then discovered that that wasn't the truth either. I wondered why, um, if there were thrilled locals who came out to support the event, why I was pushed and shoved. I I had my uh, mobile phone. They tried to take that. Um, They had um, masks on. A lot of them had full face masks. Um, And they were very aggressive. And then I saw a Facebook page called the Illawarra Friends of Drag Storytime. And the post on the following day said, Thanks to all of the organisations that supported yesterday's action, a special shout out to Dykes on Bikes, Queers Down South, Rainbow South Coast, Wollongong Undergraduate Students Association, uh, the National Union of Students Queer Office, and the Illawarra Greens. Was that crowd all thrill locals? Definitely not. Nowhere did the ABC talk about these ringins, uh, who were aggressive rude ring-ins. And if you watch the video on YouTube or in my substack, you'll uh, you'll hear there's a girl who's about oh, 11 or 12, maybe 13 years old, who is constantly telling me to F off um, while I'm being pushed and shoved by these uh, rainbow supporters. Now, that's not nice people waving the flag. These are activists who are bust in, who are shipped in. And the ABC simply Ignores that. Now, of course, there were some locals standing around in support, but those locals did not outnumber those on the other side of the road who were protesting against uh, drag story time. If anything, the numbers were pretty even. And the ABC certainly didn't look at the aggressive types um, who were dressed in masks, who were pushing me around, swearing at me, or covering my face with flags so that I couldn't see. So Indeed, it seems the ABCs blind to anything that doesn't represent a positive outlook on trans ideology. So I became interested in why the ABC and other media, by the by the way, the Illawarra Mercury, the Sydney Morning Herald, the Melbourne Age, why those media are, are so keen on pushing the trans ideology, and completely avoiding anyone else who's going to put up a reasonable argument against it. And this episode is all about that and how that um, imbalance comes about. Now, I'm not the first to do this. Uh, Media Watch, ABC's Media Watch did this back in October 22, on the 17th of October, and indeed presenter Paul Barry did a fantastic job in questioning the ABC's relationship with the AIDS Council of New South Wales, um, called ACON, um, and their Australian Workplace Equality Index. Now, he did a great job, but I'm going to be looking at some other developments um, in that, especially related to my case and the Drag story time that I covered um, back uh, in June. Now, many listeners will be thinking that uh, the ABC is simply infected with trans ideology, and and that's how it is, and that's how it started. Well, it started a lot earlier than that, and had its roots in places you and I will never go to. Um, As a matter of fact, the roots go back. Back really to the 1980s with a French philosopher, Michael Foucault, um, and some of his followers. Um, And there was a small following. It had no significant impact at all. But something happened around about the end of 2019 which made us take our eye off the ball. Now, whether you think that COVID was a furphy or whether you think it was a dangerous uh, and realistic virus, it doesn't matter. We all took our eye off the ball. And other people then entered the game and started to play differently. Now, it is around about this time that trans ideology started to be implanted throughout media, throughout sport, throughout education, when everyone else's eyes were off the ball. Now, in wartime, that's what oppositions do. They wait until their enemy is looking somewhere else and is distracted, and then they will attack. So it seems like that this was an organised attempt to change the very fabric of the society that we live in. And you think, well, that's a big call. That sounds like a conspiracy theory. Um, What's the evidence for that? Well, around about that time, Certain individuals started to infiltrate very large organisations, organisations like the United Nations, organisations like the World Economic Forum, and started to change policy. Now, if you think that this sounds really weird, you just wait and hear what certain groups inside the World Economic Forum are doing. Now, one of the groups is called the Power of Media Task Force, um, and this task force, the entire aim is to get into media and sports media, particularly entertainment media, and push the transgender case. This group, who have been sponsored by GLAAD, and they are an LGBTQI lobby group, and they have the ear of the World Economic Forum through this special task force. Have a listen to this. And by the way, they call the World Economic Forum WEF.
1: Today, I'm really proud to sit on WEF's Power of Media Task Force. And glad is a very proud partner of the Partnership for Global LGBTQI Equality, which is also known as PGLE. And PGLE was launched right here in 2019 and is a project of WEF and the UN Office of the High Commissioner for Human Rights. We work with the news, business, entertainment, faith leaders, sports, governments, and individual activists from around the globe to ensure and educate public people on LGBTQ issues and move policy forward. In the US, the Gallup poll this year showed that over 20% of Gen Z are LGBT. We've been running studies ourselves that include the Q, and so it's LGBTQ, and we expand the age from 18 to 34, and you can see nearly 40% of Gen Zers identify as LGBT.
0: So according to this World Economic Forum, up to 40% of those under 34 are LGBTQI. This is a committee from the World Economic Forum that looks at how to get gender issues into the media. That's all it does. As she just said, it connects with activists around the world in order to get it in. So if you thought that this was just the ABC, no, this is coming from a very high place. So in conjunction with the United Nations, the World Economic Forum, are infiltrating all our media, all our universities, all our schools. And while the seed of that was planted 20, 25 years ago, 30 years ago, It's only since the end of 2019, when something else big happened in the world, that it started to take strong hold. Now, I know this sounds very much like some sort of conspiracy theory, but it's not. Um, It's out there for everyone to see. No one's trying to hide it. What's also not being hidden is a report written by Denton's Law. Now this report came out in 2019, November 2019, as a matter of fact. It was it is a report by one of the largest law companies in the world. The report is entitled Only Adults Good Practices in Legal Gender Recognition for Youth. What it is, is a look at the practices that societies must have in order to get recognition of gender ideology. So it looks at what has worked in other countries, and it could be called an activist handbook written by Denton's Law, supported by a slew of LGBTIQ um, organisations, the Next Law Referral Network, and the Thomson Reuters Foundation. Now, Dentons do have an office in Melbourne, although I don't believe the Melbourne office was involved in the preparation of this document, which anecdotally is called the Transgender Manifesto. Now, this um, really takes a hard look at what has to happen in society for gender ideology to take root and to grow. Of course, there's disclaimers everywhere, but the thing that's not hidden at all is that this document is for targeting children. It's for targeting youth. And it, it outlines what has to be done in each society by activists in order to get transgender policy accepted fully into the society that they're in. At no time does Denton's Law question the transgender ideology at all. Clearly, they've been paid very well by Thomson Reuters and by this slew of LGBTIQ organisations, which are government funded, I'd imagine, um, and uh, that they just don't question it. It's simply, you know, they're being paid to produce this document. One of the key tenets of this uh, manifesto, it says that uh, specifically the child has an independent legal personality, distinct from his parent and family. So... Right from the beginning, it's trying to separate the the child from family and parents. And that is an underlying uh, platform for this document. Now, they outline certain important points that have to be covered in order to get gender ideology as accepted fully into society. And one of them is to eliminate the minimum age that a child can. And transgender. So it goes into what legally has to happen to uh, stop any age requirements on gender transitioning. That in itself is a problem, but there's more. It also states that for youth, gender confirmation treatment should be readily available and reimbursable so that the state should actually pay for it. And there should be no limitations to access, um, such as the requirement to be diagnosed with gender dysphoria. So they're saying that there should be no actual need for a diagnosis. It's just if you would like to have it done. If you feel that way, the state should be able to pay for any of your medical practices. The Denton's document also states that there should be sanctions for people who did not recognise um, anyone who's transgender or who doesn't use their right pronouns, for example, that they should be um, should feel the full force of the law. Another recommendation is that um, groups target youth politicians, so you always target the younger politicians, not the older ones, um, because the younger ones will be seen as wanting to be on the right side of history. It also says that you should demedicalise the campaign, take it away from the doctors, take it away and into the social realm. Don't talk about the medicine, but just talk about the individual. It makes a very strong point that once um, medical stuff like uh, puberty blockers, hormones or potential surgery start to be discussed, then the public loses interest and starts to uh, mistrust transgender campaigns. So, And I I quote that um, campaigns have the task of separating these concepts through educational campaigns so that gender recognition can be seen in the eyes of the public as distinct from gender-confirming treatments. In other words, don't talk about the surgery, don't talk about the drugs, just uh, get down to the idea of the person and how they feel. In advice to media, The uh, Transgender Manifesto, the Denton document, says that uh, the media should um, anonymise the narratives. In other words, if they can't find someone who's going to um, say their story, for example, be be honest in their story, they've got to put actors in. um, And that will help create a real story for the, the viewer or the listener. But one really strong recommendation was that Any activists should get ahead of the government agenda and the media story. Um, And it's saying that there's clear benefits where uh, activist organisations get ahead of the government and publish progressive legislative proposals before the government has time to develop their own. In other words, get in there, get the policies written before politicians even have time to understand the story. It says that activists need to intervene early in the legislative process and ideally before it's even started. Um, and it says where, in, where activists and NGOs fail to intervene early, the ultimate gender recognition legislation may be far less progressive than activists would like. In other words, we're seeing the Greens now trying to interfere in all sorts of areas, introduce policies. Um, and this is is what they're doing. They're simply following this Denton's document, this Transgender Manifesto. And another point, and I hope you don't mind me going into this because I think it's pretty important, is to use human rights as a campaign point. Uh, So it says, "Based based on the research, human rights arguments have been instrumental to the success of several campaigns for gender recognition laws. In other words, um, you constantly drill the term human rights. It is our human right. It is the human right. So they're actually putting in phrases that have to be repeated over and over again in the media so that the public will suddenly start to accept transgender ideology. It also urges trans activists to tie their campaigns to more popular reforms, for example, um, marriage equality legislation. Um, So try and link it in and try and cloud it. Now, this is where they are starting to fall apart, is that they are tying in all of this transgender reform with LGBTQIA plus stuff. And the LGB people are getting very upset about it because this is not what they believe. This is not what they signed up for. So the Rainbow Alliance is starting to splinter. So what they're going to be doing about this in the future, is it will be interesting. And now we're seeing pride. Now, pride is very much linked to transgender, but I can see that pride and LGB will be separating sometime in the future. Another thing that they recommend is that activists should seize the moment when promoting legal gender recognition, um, capitalise on political momentum, uh, and such momentum may be that changes in domestic political constellation following elections or referendums or something like that. So, in Australia, we have The Voice coming up. I would imagine that activists will be really drilling this home um, when The Voice comes into being, or if it does come into being. And we can see more and more transgender campaigns coming in around the time of The Voice. I'd be very interested to know what Voice proponents, those in the Yes campaign or the Yes party, um, say about this, because they'll be trying to link it all in. Gee, or maybe they won't. I'd like to know what First Nations people think of um, gender ideology. Um, Maybe they're just going to be quiet around The Voice. Who knows? The Manifesto also states that uh, trans activists must be wary of compromise and not compromise at all. Sounds a little bit like the Nazi party in the 30s in Germany, doesn't it? So this document, the Dentons document or the Transgender Manifesto, as it's uh, called by some some groups, came out in November 2019. Perfect timing, really, because... Everyone took their eyes off the ball uh, in December, the first um, COVID case, and 19th of December um, 2019, everyone took their eyes off the ball for a couple of years and suddenly this has been launched in. Um, so, look, I'm going to be putting this document uh, on the filtered substack and I'll put the link on the transcript page for this episode, um so you can have a look at what it says and this is exactly what is happening now if these instructions are coming from the world economic forum and from the united nations and from the denton's handbook that we were just looking at and they filtered into the media they've also filtered into our universities and our school system. And this is where the ABC gets most of their journalists from the university system, of course. Now, I used to teach at the University of Technology, Sydney, in the School of Journalism. uh, And I just looked up a couple of subjects as to what is being taught in the School of Journalism that I used to teach in. And I looked at uh, a subject... Communicating Difference, Uh, the subject number is 54002, and this is what the description says.
2: This subject brings together a range of disciplines within communications to examine cultural difference, social identity, frameworks for promoting diversity, and contemporary community formation. In particular, case studies from contemporary Australian society are used to explore themes of racialisation, multiculturalism, gender, sexuality... And class based inequalities, with a particular focus on Indigenous Australian and settler colonial identities. I'm
0: sorry, but this journalism subject has nothing to do with journalism. It's all about promoting diversity, um, multiculturalism, gender, sexuality, and and class based inequalities, with a focus on Indigenous. So you can see that they are very much focused on a change in society. The course description goes on.
2: Case studies are drawn from a variety of cultural sites that engage with diversity and difference, from popular culture, such as film and television, to institutional diversity policies and social activism.
0: What? Now, hold on. Social activism. Ah, I see. That's where the people who were pushing me around um, in the rainbow group come from. Uh, Social activists taught perhaps at UTS. It seems that social activism is becoming a very large part of university degrees.
2: This includes an opportunity to examine Sydney-based initiatives that seek to address marginalisation, promote activism, encourage community participation or extract commercial value from diversity. Through developing original ideas and projects for engaging with diversity and difference, Students are invited to reflect upon their own identities from a cultural perspective. The subject also familiarises students with relevant theories and concepts, critical media studies, critical race and feminist theory, cultural geography, critical diversity studies and organisational studies.
0: So we have activism again, social activism. We have um, identity and critical race theory all within this course in journalism.
2: In developing frameworks for understanding inequalities, the subject equips students to evaluate the ethical dimensions of contemporary professional practices in diverse working environments.
0: So in that course description, uh, diversity was mentioned seven times, activism twice, and journalism not at all. So all of this ideology has crept in in the last 20 years, um, certainly after I stopped teaching media, yet I did teach science at the University of New South Wales, and yes, ideology was creeping in then. There's lots of it. There's critical race theory, there's gender theory, uh, there's the theories of John Money, who was one of the first to um, advocate gender transitioning. Um, and with disastrous results. There's also Michael Foucault, the French philosopher, um, who is really instrumental in gender theory and and race theory, uh, but has been discredited because of his dalliances uh, of a sexual nature with children. So university courses are rife with this, teaching courses are rife with this, and hopefully that will change over the next couple of years. So we've looked at the big influence on media, we've looked at the educational influence on students and how they go into um, organisations like the ABC and SBS with these predetermined ideas. But then there's, as mentioned before, the diversity recruitment policies, where people are recruited on who they are rather than what they can do. Now, I want to get back to the ABC's relationship with ACON, the AIDS Council of New South Wales, the ABC is a member of ACON's Australian Workplace Quality Index. So they get measured on on not only how they recruit, but um, the sort of topics that they discuss, and if they attend conferences, um, if they march in Mardi Gras, and all that sort of stuff. Now that is the equivalent of Stonewall in the UK's Workplace Equality Index. And BBC and The Guardian, by the way, in the UK have just um, resigned their connections with Stonewall. And I think all Australians should call on the ABC to resign their connection with ACON because it is impossible for the ABC to have a fully balanced um, and unbiased view of gender issues. They should also resign their connection to other benchmarking indexes, um, such as the Diversity Council of Australia and Reconciliation Australia and the Australian Network on Disability. Now, some of these organisations might be very fine, but the ABC can donate to them. It doesn't have to be a member of them. And it makes you think that if they are members of Reconciliation Australia, how can they possibly give unbiased um, news reporting of the voice. Hmm, Makes you wonder. Now, as I mentioned before, Paul Barry, back in October 2022, um, did an episode on this conflict of interest between the ABC and uh, ACON, um, and did it very well indeed. Now, I know that Media Watch made uh, the ABC statement available via their website, but I know a lot of people haven't got the time to dig that deeply. But I want to look closer at what Uh, the ABC said, and the the statement that the ABC put out. And let's look at it part by part. The ABC
3: participates in the Australian Workplace Equality Index, AWEI, which forms part of the AIDS Council of New South Wales Pride Inclusion Program.
0: Yes, nothing to hide there. It forms part of the Pride Inclusion Program, exactly the same as Stonewall's Pride Inclusion Program that the BBC has just resigned from.
3: The ABC also participates in other benchmarking indexes to monitor its progress and improve workplace practices, such as those run by the Diversity Council of Australia, Reconciliation Australia, and the Australian Network on Disability.
0: Now, once again, you have to consider whether um, the ABC are getting the best bang for their buck by simply um, employing under diversity recruitment practices. In many companies, diversity recruitment programs are being dumped, because they are not resulting in the best employees for a position. Yes, they might look good as far as the diversity index goes, but as far as merit and skill, many of them are lacking.
3: ABC editorial policies require all journalists and content makers to maintain the independence and integrity of the ABC. Exercise ABC editorial control over the content the ABC broadcasts or publishes and ensure that editorial decisions are not improperly influenced by political, sectional, commercial or personal interests.
0: So why was the ABC's coverage of the Let Women Speak rally in Melbourne so one-sided? Why wasn't Posey Parker given a chance to have her point of view known? It can only come down to the fact that there has been instructions not to provide anything uh, in the news that conflicts with ACON's version of transgender ideology.
3: Transgender and gender identity issues are complex and require careful editorial judgment to ensure informed reporting without causing offence or undue distress and harm to vulnerable individuals and communities.
0: Well, I'm afraid the ABC is trying not to give uh, offence or distress to the less than 1% of Australians who fall into that category, but they're causing immense distress and offence to the remaining 99% of Australians who know that there are two sexes, uh, XX, XY, and follow biology. For the ABC to favour the 1% at the expense of 99% is way out of balance. To be unbalanced in favour of an ideology that lets men go into women's spaces that lets men play in women's sports that takes sex education out of the hands of parents and into largely unqualified teachers and that denies the existence of detransitioners those who have been through the entire gender transition process and now regret it and gee there is a fast-evolving army of those people.
3: Like other responsible media, the ABC endeavours to ensure its reporting is based on credible research, talking to people with lived experience, peak bodies and qualified experts, and taking an evidence-based approach.
0: I'm sorry, ABC, but one of the key tenets I used to teach in media at UTS was that one person's lived experience does not necessarily equal truth. It is their truth, but not necessarily the truth. So we can see that the ABC is very much impacted by the Dentons document, by the Transgender Manifesto. SBS, not so much, but they are still a member of ACON. It's interesting that the ABC won't even look at the detransitioners, because to do that would mean looking at the uh, puberty blockers, the cross-sex hormones, and the impact of surgery on those individuals. And they've been told by that Denton's document not to look at the the medicine part of it, just to look at the the lived experience of the individual. To appeal to our heart, if we're going to look at the medicine, it appeals. To our head. If there was ever a time in history that we have to use our head, it's now. And finally, while I've already talked about the ABC divorcing themselves from ACON, it's been the last few years where this Uh, really has come into prevalence, this transgender ideology. And that's been under the watch of the chairperson, Ida Butros. Ida, I do urge you to control the journalists, to stop diversity employment of the journalists who bring us Australians the information and make sure that whatever information comes our way is balanced and what's more, truthful. Thank you for listening. My name is Phil Dye. If you wish to subscribe to Filtered, the podcast, please do. It's 30 bucks for the year. um, And you get the podcast, of course, but you can get them anywhere. But you also get the extras. You get the songs. You get the transcripts as well. So um, please think of making a little donation of being a subscriber. I'll see you next time.